Hello everyone, this is Karin Takar and welcome to the Zenergy Podcast. Over the past decade, India has done an impressive job of integrating renewable energy into its energy mix. For this Fulbright podcast series, I sought to investigate the enabling factors and potential of India's global leadership in renewable energy with the focus on solar. This Fulbright series is broken down into four seasons. In this season, through conversations with leaders who have been instrumental in developing the Indian renewable energy sector, we will highlight how India has managed to integrate 35 gigawatts of solar in just a span of 10 years. We will also explore what these leaders believe the key challenges to be as this sector further develops. In this episode, I will be speaking with Manoj Kohli, the current head of SoftBank India and former CEO of SoftBank Energy as of January 2020. Mr. Kohli was responsible for helping SoftBank build 5.5 gigawatts of solar capacity in the Indian renewable energy market. Hope you enjoy this conversation with Manoj Kohli. Thank you so much, Mr. Kohli, for joining us. I was watching a talk you delivered at CEW in 2018 with respect to the global energy transition. And in this talk, you stated that you believe the next decade will be the golden decade for India. I would really appreciate hearing more about this and specifically how you believe renewable energy can help shape India's global leadership position in the decade to come. Well, thank you, Karan. When I delivered that talk, what I meant was that India has taken a very important pole position on climate change globally. And I think Prime Minister Modi has really been a primary uh, source of inspiration, not only for India, but also for many, many parts of the world, many institutions in the world for uh, solar energy, wind energy, electric vehicles, and overall climate change issues so that world can turn around and, and bring back better quality environment. So that's what I meant. I think this next 10 years, India will be, India's mission will be tested. India has already taken up a mission of 450 gigawatt renewable energy by 2030 and 175 by 22. And I think we are progressing well. In the last few months, there's a bit of a slowdown because of COVID-19. Now I think it will pick up again. But overall, solar, wind is picking up very well. The next step of storage battery affordability will also happen. It may take three, four years. But that will also happen and benefit India a lot. So that is what I meant when I said that. I see. I see. And yeah, just going on this topic of storage, you might as well just touch upon it now that you mentioned it. So I also know that you were the chair of the CII task force for electric vehicles and also batteries. And I heard you mention that for solar, wind, and other renewable sources to provide a comprehensive solution, energy storage must be available. And for that to be the case, it must come down below $100 per kilowatts. And I would love to hear like your take on this. I think this also was maybe two years back when you said this. So do you still yeah. believe this? 
Yeah, I feel that uh, today solar and wind energy intermittent intermittent sources and not not base load, not round the clock. So so clearly, till solar and wind become RTC, that till that time, I think uh, renewable energy has not arrived. And my own belief is that storage battery is the only way. Either it has to be pumped storage, which is through Heidel, or it has to be storage battery, either lithium ion or many other chemistries which are being tested. But the key issue for India is affordability. Affordability, India will always want less than three rupees, maybe less than 250 now per kilowatt hour. And it's very important that because India masses are comparatively not as well off as many other part of OECD world, so therefore affordability is crucial. So luckily, solar and wind affordability has been established already. Both of them are under three rupees. But if you combine them into a hybrid project, which is solar plus wind, then you have a energy source for maybe anywhere between 12 to 15 hours a day. But still you have a gap of seven, eight hours, which can only be fulfilled by a storage battery. So if storage battery, let's say anywhere between three, four, maximum five years, definitely before 2025, comes down below three rupees as operating cost, okay. then I think by and large, India will adopt it. And and if, if India adopts it, then you have a RTC, renewable energy, which is RTC. And that is where the real mission will start. Because once renewable energy is RTC on an affordable level, then I think the replacement of fossil will start in a big way. Thank you for expanding on that. And during your tenure as the executive chairman of SoftBank Energy, which you helped grow from zero solar plants in India to 5.5 gigawatts of capacity. So I'm curious as to like how the risks evolved over time um, from the time SoftBank Energy started in 2015 um, to the present day. Like how did the risks in the Indian renewables energy sector evolve during that period? No, I think risks definitely uh, declined over a period of last five years, and uh, they were declining, uh, they were getting mitigated in a, in a very orderly fashion by the industry as well as by the government of India. There are three major risks, let me say. One is the risk of PPA, which luckily government of India has been very, very proactive. They have introduced many important clauses in the PPA so that PPA is strong and very close to international standards, like payment guarantees, like uh, deemed generation, like uh, termination compensation, etc. So that is one big risk which has got mitigated very, very significantly, I'll say. Not a full 100%, but significantly. Second is the land uh, where government initiated very uh, innovative way of solar parks across the country. Uh, there are more than 10 solar parks, maybe 15. So, so very high quality parks, which are some are one gigawatt, some are even more. And uh, this is an in innovation which no other country in the world has initiated. And that's very good because it mitigates the land risk. I see. So, and that is second. So third is the transmission. So the transmission infrastructure buildup for renewable energy has also picked up very well. Karnataka, 
MP, etc. So, so that actually PGCIL and other private companies have taken taken up the challenge, and they are picking up the pace of transmission expansion. So, I will say all these three major risks: PPA, land, and transmission have declined systematically in, in the last five years. And I'm sure if the focus remains, in the next five years they'll come down drastically. What role has foreign direct investments played in helping to develop the renewable energy industry in India? Of course, SoftBank is a foreign entity and has played a major role in the sector. But also beyond SoftBank, are you seeing a lot of foreign investments in this space? Yes, you know. This uh, being an infrastructure sector, uh, very large investment is required and it's a long-term patient capital. So uh, India cannot, uh, the domestic financial market cannot cater to the full needs of uh, this this, uh, RE sector. So therefore, international investment is definitely required, both capital, equity, as well as debt. So I'm very happy that international institutions, financial institutions and banks have been very positive on India, and a lot of foreign capital and debt has come in. And by 2030, if the goals have to be achieved, if the PM's mission has to be achieved, then over $300 billion is required for this only one sector, uh, which includes solar, wind, transmission also. Okay. So I believe that if, if the government continues to mitigate the risks, as I mentioned, risks of uh, PPA, risks of land, transmission, and other policies which should remain consistent. If that happens, then I am confident that India will be able to attract international capital and debt in the next 10 years too. Because without that international investments, India will find it difficult to achieve the mission. I see. Which which of those is do you do you think will be more difficult? To attract, like you know, the world world is full of surplus liquidity now. So I I don't think uh, there's any particular either debt or equity which will be more difficult than the other. Overall, the investors expect the government because this is a one mission government has taken. PM personally has encouraged this mission. Uh, so gum, uh, all these investors expect government to really safeguard the key policies pertaining to this sector the key regulations pertaining to this sector so that so that this sector has consistent returns and and so that it doesn't get a shock doesn't get any surprise for the investors because investors you know like stable environment consistent policy stable investment uh, environment that's what they're asking for they're not asking for any abnormal returns which are more than any other country so they're asking for regular returns but consistent policies and so that they can predict there is predictability of long term. What ultimately led like SoftBank to invest in the solar sector in India in 2015? Because I was just curious as to like how that ended up coming to fruition. No, it is it is quite well known that Masa has a very soft corner for climate change. He is very committed to safeguarding the environment. He initiated the solar business in Japan uh, after the tsunami. And uh, we, we are leaders in Japan on solar. I see. And then he, he met the PM, our PM at Tokyo, and we committed that we will, 
we will also invest in India. That is where it started in 15. And so, so overall, it is SoftBank's support to climate change, which is coming, which is coming uh, into real life through this project. So with the geopolitical changes we're seeing in the world today, and as a Fulbright Scholar, which is sponsored by the U.S. State Department, I personally am a very strong believer in the U.S.-India partnership and see renewable energy as a great channel for strengthening this relationship. Because SB Energy is uniquely positioned between both countries, and of course, as the head of SB India now, I know a lot of the investments or a lot of the companies also operate in both geographies. So I thought you'd be a really great person to ask what the key focus areas where you believe more collaboration can occur between the two countries. India and U.S. are great partners, not only now, but for many, many years. And I believe that partnership is only improving day by day. And in context of SB Energy, I think it's very clear that uh, U.S. solar module manufacturers like First Solar, SunPower, and others should should do more in India now. I'm sure you will see them doing better than past in the coming years. Also, the plans to build storage battery for EVs as well as for renewable energy between U.S. and India will also be taken up. Government, I expect government policies on manufacturing of storage battery to be released soon. So if that happens, then I'm sure U.S.-India collaborations will take place. Because storage battery is something which is so crucial for EV sector, as well as crucial for RE sector. So this will be another area. But overall, as SoftBank, I think the digital partnerships are, are very, in the past, there are American portfolio companies uh, which, 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 are, which are in India, and I'm sure more portfolio companies from U.S., Will, will enter India to do more, get more customers, revenues, et cetera, et cetera. So digital portfolio companies of, of the group, which are now in U.S., will also participate in India's growth. I almost started the interview with this question out of fear that we'd run out of time and I wouldn't get to it, but I'm glad we have gotten to it. And so as I was doing research on you, I was very impressed by just your whole professional journey, how disciplined you appear to be, and also just how much great success you've achieved across multiple spaces. As a young professional, someone who is also quite motivated to do good work and make an impact in the world, I'd love to hear like you, what guidance you provide to the younger generation. I know you work with a lot of younger entrepreneurs and just reflecting on your experience, what guidance would you provide to the younger generation today? I think young generation is very, very smart, very passionate, very tech-oriented, and have great ideas. So my guidance is that something which I, when I started at 20, and now I've done 41 years of my professional experience, I started with 3H, honesty, hard work, and humility. And these three foundation stones were good for me, and I'm sure they're good for many others. In addition, constant learning is something which, which has to be adopted as a mantra by every young professional and young entrepreneur. 
because the world is changing every day and you have to change along with the world or maybe proactively. So constant learning, constant understanding new things, understanding new technology, especially technology uh, is creating so much disruption across the world. And finally, how to convert learning into real life, how to convert and apply the learning into scaling up the business, for example, growing the business, building a new business model, scaling up from 2x to 5x to 10x to 20x. That is where your learning has to be applied very, very carefully into day-to-day application. So that is what I think is important, and that can only happen when you work hands-on. And I've seen many youngsters, they really are hands-on and they're fantastic. But I'm seeing some youngsters who are still hesitating getting hands-on, which actually is very important. I feel that if you don't get fully hands-on and hold the problem tightly, you will not find a solution. So my request to all youngsters is that before you are 30, so between 20 and 30, this 10 years is a period of massive learning and becoming hands-on so that you are able to personally hold the problem and find a solution. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Mr. Kohli. No, thank you. Thank you. And good luck. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And do check out the show notes for more information on my guest. See you next time.